Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. There is no doubt that evil exists in this world. I mean, we are made aware of it almost every single night on the evening news. But the fact remains, the news headlines really don't tell all of the story. I mean, there are people, individuals, that are behind every story you see on the news. And sometimes that gets lost in the transmission. Often these people, these individuals, face these demons alone for a very long time. And and when deliverance finally comes, they're often scarred and broken, spirit, soul, and body. But They may go years without counseling, figuring nobody understands them or anything that they've been through. Well, our guest today is Pastor Kellyanne Peterson. Kellyanne is a pastoral counselor who works with her husband who trains other church leaders to bring emotional healing to their congregations. She also does one-on-one counseling for those in need. She's the author of a great book titled Wounded Heart, Graceful Warrior, A Journey from Abuse to Victory. She's the founder of Everyday Wisdom for Families. You can t- obtain information on these services at everydaywisdomforfamilies.com or also her website at uh, journeytoshalom.org. Amen. Help me welcome to the program, Kellyanne Peterson. Kellyanne, it is such a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for coming on the show. And thank you, Pastor, for inviting me. It's it's always great to, uh, you know, talk with a like-minded believer. It's just lovely. So thank Amen. you so much for having me here. Amen. Now, other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Kellyanne Peterson? Well, the title of my book is a little bit of a hint. Um, My mother, this is kind of silly sounding, but at 12 years old was given the name Kelly Ann Mm. at three years before I was born. She had a boy when back then you didn't know what it was until it came out. (laughs) And (laughs) she said, I was so sad. It was not my Kelly Ann. Then she had another boy. I'm so sad. It's not my Kelly Ann. Finally, I came and she said, I cried when you were born, because I finally had my Kellyanne. She held on to that name from age 12 to age 24. And if any of you know, middle school girls, we don't hold on to names like that. I mean, at 12 years old, my daughter was going to be named Thumbelina. So (laughs) that never happened. She's not. (laughs) (laughs) So you know, many years later, my mom called me Kellyanne most of my childhood, but then I had a younger sister named Anne Marie and things got confusing after Anne Marie came along. Um, so I just dropped to Kelly and fast forward to 2009, when the Lord really called me full time into this ministry, he said, I need you to go back and take your name 
And I was like, go back and take my name. What does that mean? He goes, go look up your name, go, go find out what it means. I'm like, okay. So I go away, find out what it means. Well, Kelly means warrior. And I'm like, okay, well, Lord, it means warrior. I kind of knew that he goes, you've been fighting your whole life by yourself. Mm. You've been fighting, fighting, fighting. You're always just, you know, trying to get justice, trying to change these evil things that have happened to you in your life. And you've always been a warrior on your own. Um, and he said, but what's the other part of your name? I said, Anne. And he goes, what's that mean? I said, graceful. And he says, I have called you to be a graceful warrior Amen. since before you were conceived. Mm. I gave that name to your mom at 12 years old. And that is not only your name, but that's your life's calling to be a graceful yeah. warrior for families, for the wounded hearts, for my broken children. And now you'll never fight alone. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Awesome. So there you go. And, and your story includes the Lord's intervention to prevent demonic possession. Uh, oh can you explain God. about this? Uh, what that means? <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I was a victim of child abuse, which set me up perfectly to marry a domestic violence husband. Mm. Those kind of go hand in hand a lot because I didn't realize he was abusing me. Uh, at one point, his drinking had gotten very severe and um, a lady, um, actually his mother, who was a, also an alcoholic, but not violent, had come to visit and she gave me a Bible in a translation I could understand because the only Bible I had was King James and I would get confused with the pronouns, um, the these and the thous and stuff. Eventually I, I was like, who's talking now? I, I don't <laughs> know who's talking anymore. Yeah. Um, and so she gave me a, I think it was called the way it was. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was back oh, then yeah. it was something like mm -hmm. a living Bible mm -hmm. translation today. And, and I'm reading this, um, she was there for like a week and I'm like, Oh good. She's keeping him happy. And I'm going to read this Bible. So I just was like, wow. I, I started in Genesis because where else are you supposed to start? I didn't at know. At the beginning. Yeah. yeah at the beginning. <laughs> um, and I just couldn't believe all this cool stuff. Now, as a kid, I was semi raised in the Baptist church. Like my, my parents, there was a bus ministry. So they were just like, you kids go. Um, so they never went. Um, and I went for a couple of years and I just remember like, this Bible stuff is cool. Like, and the pastor always said, God's the same today, tomorrow and forever. So if that's the case, then this stuff is like still could happen today. And for whatever reason, I just always internalized that. And sure enough, you know, my mother-in-law left. I kept reading the Bible. My husband was pretty mellow at this time. But my uh, daughter at the time was about a little under two years old. And I heard her walking up the stairs and she's going, mommy, mommy, mommy. And I'm like, you know, I'm like half asleep. So I can't really see the room's dark. And I just have my arms out and I'm kind of trying to reach for her over the side of the bed, you know, and I'm going to pick her up off the side of the bed and pull her onto my chest like I normally do. And so when I go to do that, all of a sudden, these hands, like massive hand um, that was larger than my face, 
went over my whole entire face with this incredible bright, bright light, like a blinding light, but you can still see. And said, don't do it. It's the devil. He is here to take you over, like to completely possess me. And I'm thinking, um, you know, I didn't know the Lord back then, right? <laughs> I, I had those Sunday school things. I had those little inklings here and there, but I really didn't know the Lord well. And I'm sitting here going, well, yeah, but how do I know I can really trust you? I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking, but you know what? You know, there's always cracks between the fingers. You can always see through the cracks in the fingers. And so sure enough, the Lord opened up his fingers so that I could see through the cracks and literally saw the devil's head, which was the most heinous, monstrous thing I've ever seen in my life on my pillow. And I'm sitting up at this point and, and I see this head there on my pillow and I, I immediately went into repentance. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm so sorry. Amen. Please forgive yeah. me. Forgive me. I'm going to listen to you next time. I promise. I promise. <laughs> and so, you know, and then, you know, I, I heard literally this, well, I believe it was actually the devil or severe demon going down the stairs and you could hear it go stomp, 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 and then go across the kitchen floor, which always echoed because of the way the house was and slam the front door. Hmm. And I was like, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Still freaked out, you know. Okay, I'm so sorry. I promise next time I won't look, I won't ask to see through the fingers. I'm super, super sorry. Anyway, so then you know, the the hands gone, everything leaves, and I'm still really freaked out. So I go over to you know, my husband, my, my late husband, he passed away a few years later. Um, and I'm shaking him, like, wake up, wake up. I'm terrified, I can't go back to sleep with all this stuff here. Um, and he wouldn't wake up. I mean, I was bouncing his body off of the mattress. He would not wake up. I'm like, okay, this is, this, this is impossible. So I decided I'm going to go downstairs. I'm just going to wait this out. There's no way I'm going back to sleep in case that was a dream. Um, and when I go downstairs, you know, I grabbed my Bible, my little journal book on the way down the stairs. And I was like, well, I better go to the restroom. So I go into the restroom and my face glowed like mm. light. And I was like, wow, it's like I could see that handprint still on my face. And I was like, whoa. So this was like four o'clock in the morning. And I went and I was like, I thought I read something like that in the Bible recently. So I'm flipping through, flipping through flipping. Moses. Yeah. Um, and of course, we're Jewish. So I call him Moshe. Um, and that, you know, the glow on his face, he even had to wear a veil because it was so blinding to the people. Well, anyways, like every half hour, hour, I went into the bathroom and that glow stayed there until about seven o'clock when the sun wow. came up and my children woke up, my husband woke up and everything. And um, it, it was just amazing. I was like, you know what? The Lord completely protected me from some very serious, intense. Yeah. Yeah. Aggression. And what's yeah. funny is I went next door to tell my neighbors um, later that morning and they were like, whoa, and they were going to hand me, you know, a, a marijuana joint or whatever. And said, you need to get high. <laughs> because <laughs> That's really intense. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If I can see this stuff and be sober, I'm never going to get high again. Like, yeah. Yeah. Make it worse. Um, anyways, I think they did get high because it was too intense for them. But I was like, no, no, mm -mm, no, I'm never doing that. <laughs> 
Hey, man. Yeah, they're probably like, I need some of the stuff you got, man. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. Hey, man. Oh, man. That's a great story. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, one thing I noticed as I was preparing for the interview today is how you are involved in helping people to escape from and overcome the emotional and spiritual scars of abuse. Is this because of what you went through that you, you centered on this type of ministry? Yeah. You know, if you fast forward a few years from the story I told you, I became a Christian at 20. The story that I told you, I was about just barely 19. I just had my second child. Um, And when I met the Lord, um, I I got introduced to uh, Francis McNutt's ministry. Um, and he did inner healing ministry stuff. And I had a really cool healing event happened at the conference up there um, in Canada, where a friend of mine paid for me to go. But these things just frequently happened, even just in my prayer time, like the Lord would just show up and, um, you know, I'm journaling everything out, the, the issues that I was dealing with. And he would just show up. Um, at one point, my I was under investigation for my children to mm. um, as a neglectful parent um, because I was um, when I broke up with my husband. Um, before I became a Christian, my house kind of became a party house. Now, I wasn't drinking and partying, but everybody I knew who was also 19, 20 year old in my town <laughs> were like, hey, a house with no parents. That's that's mm. the place to go have a beer. Um And then some, but nonetheless, they, you know, they all disappeared when my landlord said, you know, you're putting holes in the walls and destroying this place. And if you don't fix them, I'm going to kick you out. At the same time, social services came in and said, you're a neglectful parent. Like you're sleeping all day because you're partying all night and your kids are walking around the neighborhood unattended. Um, And they were right. All those things were true. And so you know, I'm sitting here, all of my so-called friends had disappeared uh, pretty much straight out of the story of the prodigal son, right? When he needed all those <laughs> people yeah, who used up all Party's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they were gone. No help there. Um, and I'm sitting here, my daughter came in and she was complaining about some kind of conflict between her and her little brother. And I looked into her eyes and I literally like saw all the way through her eyes and into her soul. And she was an empty shell of a person. And I don't remember what I told her because I was so consumed with what I just seen. And she leaves the room. And I just right then just said, I am so sorry. Like I have tried to do all of this in my own strength and I am so wrong. and please help me. And once again, I just, you know, out of the blue, you know, this big, huge voice um, said, I'm going to teach you. I'm, I'm going to teach you how to be a mom. I'm going to teach you how to break this abuse off of your life. And if you will just, you know, surrender your heart to me. And I was like, I, I commit to you 110%. And now it's funny because this is how we think, right? I'm going to give you 110% of full obedience, Lord, for a year. year. (laughs) And if if you can make it for a year, 
then then good. And if you don't, I, I don't know what I'm going to do next. But for right now, I'm committing to a year 110%. Well, anyways, I'm still at 110% and it's been 30 something years now. <laughs> so, Amen. Um, Amen. But he did. And so it's funny, you know, he said, go to church. And so all I know is to go back to the little Baptist church I went to as a kid. Um, and it's funny when you read that story in there, I, I tell you like how nervous I was. Um, and and everybody's like, well, who got you saved? And I'm like, well, Jesus did. He kind of just showed up and said, you know, do this. <laughs> and they were like, well, mm-hmm. did you do the salvation prayer? And I'm like, why? What's more than, okay, I screwed up and I commit 110%. <laughs> is, is there more to it than that? <laughs> yeah, <know>? yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the Baptist church did believe there was more to it than that. I got water baptized and did the official well, actually, when I went to do the official repentance prayer with my pastor, I said, you know, I'm sorry, I really don't want to repeat you in this prayer because I've done that like three or four times as a kid and it never seemed to help. So can I make up my own? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. What did he say? Uh, I think he was a, a little put out, but he let me do it anyways. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. When I got born again, without going into the story, my listeners have heard it several times, but, you know, there's a little empty apartment in Columbus, Georgia. And wasn't nobody around. And I was, I had a long story short, I had made the decision to kill myself. And, you know, I, the only reason I didn't do it at that point in time, cause I wanted to tell my kids goodbye. So I was going to call them the next morning before they went to school. And then that would be it. But God had the Bible sitting there and I said, well, if I'm going to meet God tomorrow, I might as well see what his Bible has to say. And there was a way of reading the Bible through in a year. So I picked, you know, okay, today's January 25th, whatever, read Psalms 34. And I got down to verse seven and it said, the Lord has heard this poor man cry and shall deliver him from all his troubles. And immediately, I mean, you talk about glowing and stuff, the whole room lit up and I had like oil pour. I mean, I was, I know I was born again that day because I had just got done praying, God, if you can do anything, you better do it now because otherwise I, I'm out of here. It's, I'm done, you know, and he did. And, and then three years later, when he called me into the ministry, well, going into that story, I argued for with him for almost a year. No, you don't know what you just said, because if you knew me and my background, there'd be no way you'd be asking me to do this type thing. Right. And, uh, <laughs> And he said, because of what you've been through, I do need you, you know? And uh, so I said, well, I did the same thing. Well, okay, I'll try it. (laughs) 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 I'll try it and and see how it goes, you know? And, but my stories, you know, my testimony and stuff like that, people were responding to it. And and, and, and yeah, it's, it's amazing how God can turn, you know, our hurts and to helping someone else from their hurts. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's simply, it, I've never repented, but, oh, we, we're talking about the, the, so I didn't have anybody leading me in prayer, you know, as that's, uh, that's, 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 that was purpose. I, I was inserting that there. And I just said, God, if you can fix me, you better do it because otherwise I'm checking out. You know, type thing. And, and that was my salvation prayer right there. You know? But what, what I got, you know, I knew I had to go to church after that. So I went to a Baptist church in Louisiana and, and they said, well, you know, have you been baptized? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, 
baptized in the Lutheran church when I was like two years old. No, that don't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> not, not to a Baptist. No, that doesn't count. That don't count. Everyone, the whole place <laughs> laughed. They say, yeah, that don't count here. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, something else happened as well to you, or should I say almost happened. Uh, can you share with us? Well, first, before I get into that, because you've been talking about the abuse that you were going through. How did you stop this abuse for yourself and others? What, what happened there? Well, I'd gone to a codependency course uh, class, and that made me very angry because uh, a lot of the counseling that's out there in the world today brings up all your stuff, but it doesn't really have anything besides coping mechanisms to resolve it. Um, and so I have this phrase and hopefully nobody takes it the wrong way, but there's not a lot of hope in cope. Mm. Like hope can get you through a crisis, but you just can't sustain you for the rest of your life. And so anyways, I'd come home and I was kind of, uh, I was going to pick up my children and I was angry and I was driving down the street and not angry as so much as like I hated somebody, but angry, like there's got to be a better way. Like, you know, Yeshua, you, you can heal somebody's, you know, leg. You can make the blind people see. Why can't you do anything with like this kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. um, and so I was driving down the street by my parents' house and I heard him say, the abuse ends with you. And at the same mm -hmm. time that he said that, um, an electric transformer blew up. Oh, wow. So the whole ground shook. The light was just boom. And he said, the abuse ends with you. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, so what do I do with this big word? I mean, it sounds lovely, but there's got to be something to it. And um, and he really started showing me. And believe it or not, um, at that time, I joined a woman's Bible study. And this lady loved word studies. So she would take like the word faith and go through the whole scripture and you're reading six, 700 verses on the word faith, mm -hmm. right? So you see every context, everything that's going on. And all I kept seeing was this is a codependent pattern. This is a codependent pattern. This is an abuse pattern. This is where the Lord's mercy is. This is where the Lord's boundaries are. I mean, I'm just seeing all these pieces put together and I really just started implying that. And I think the biggest lie belief that I had was that, you know, when you're a victim, you're passive, right? And so the Lord was passive. He let him do it again, 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 just love your neighbor, just love your neighbor, just love your neighbor. Um, and yes, please do that. But there's boundaries are truly the Lord's mercy. Like they're there for protection. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned as years go by that codependency is false mercy and grace. Mm. Mercy and grace have to have boundaries. Like Israel, my people, were not allowed to continue to sin forever. They just yeah. weren't. Eventually, they had the consequences of these decisions. Um, and yes, the Holy Spirit is gracious and things, but you know, I've worked in the prisons and I'll tell you, people go to jail. Yeah, they do. They go to jail for the evil things that they've done. And unfortunately, not all of them do. And some of them I wish still did. <laughs> <laughs> I did this, uh, prayer time with this other pastoral counseling lady and she was like, okay, so 
what does the Lord want you to know? Like, let the Lord take you where you're supposed to go. And I found myself underneath a kitchen table. And underneath this kitchen table were a bunch of people with boots on that were pointed, that were sharp, um, that were, you know, would kick you at any moment. And so I'm crouched underneath this table. My hair's uh, in tangles and mess. I've got dirt all over my face. My clothes are torn and filthy. And I'm underneath this table and there's just, everything's terrifying, you know? And when I try to look out from beyond the table, everything's black and dark and scary. And so and she goes, well, and where is Jesus in this picture? And I'm like, I don't, I don't see him down here. Like, like, this is horrible. This place is horrible. And, and she's like, you know, so I described her what I just told you. The people are going to kick me if I even move. And if a piece of food falls on the floor, floor, I'm like fighting for it. And there's other people down here, but I don't necessarily see them, but I know they're there. And I'm like scrambling on the floor to try to get this food and stuff it in my mouth as quick as I can. And, and then she goes, well, are you ready now to ask him if he would come into this place with you? And I'm like, okay. I mean, I mean, I know he's safe now. So whatever Jesus does, I don't know, but he might do something. Um, and so I see him like sitting right on the outside edge of the table and he's got his hands and he's like, come out. And I'm like, ah, oh, no, no. If I move, they're going to kick me. Like I'm, I'm going to be beaten down if I move. And he goes, well, okay. So he sits down and he comes underneath the table with me. And now he's sitting underneath the table, like just still not completely underneath it, but part of his hands are his feet are. And I'm like, okay, so maybe I can just move over towards him a little bit. And so I, I reach out to grab his hand and he takes my hand and then he takes the other and then he slowly helps me get up. Now I've been underneath this table so long that I can't stand on my legs. They're like weakened from being in this position for so long. And so it takes him a while to get me to stand up and be stable. And then finally, cause I'm only, I only see him. Finally, he goes, would you like to see what's in this room? And I'm thinking, no, <laughs> I mean, these are all these, these horrible, sharp, you know, evil people who are going to kick me and beat me down in any second. And I turn and it's like a banquet room and it's full of light and colors and beautiful food and all this stuff. And it's just absolutely amazing. And then I start seeing these people at the table and they've got smiles on their faces and they're welcoming and accepting and friendly and all this stuff. And he said, the scripture, you know, um, he was saying that, you know, the, the scripture that talks about the, the Samaritan woman who says, you know, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. Mm-hmm. And Jesus later says, your faith has healed you. But he, he looked at me and he said, I've never called you to be a dog. Mm. Never called you to be a dog. Amen. Amen. I've always Amen. called you to be a daughter. And yeah. this banquet is for you because the daughters of the king sit at the banquet table. Amen. Amen. And I, I don't know what, I don't know how to explain it to you, but my whole life as a child, you know, abuse victim, as a domestic violence victim, I thought I was the dog. Mm. And those little pieces of food that were falling off the table were love and acceptance. Yeah. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. Well, out of time for this portion of today's interview with Kelly Ann Peterson, who's the author of Wounded Heart, Grateful Warrior, A Journey from Abuse to Victory. This details her journey from a d- domestic abuse victim 
to victor through Christ Jesus. Amen. Kelly is now a pastoral counselor who trains other church leaders to bring emotional healing to their congregations. She also does one-on-one counseling for those in need. Now, I want to encourage you to drop down in the show notes and pre-order one or more of the copies of her book, because this would make a great resource for pastors and church counselors as well. Drop down in the show notes, sign up for the pre-sale on Amazon right now, and buy one book for yourself and two or more books to give away to someone who you know could use this type of encouragement or sew it into the church library. The links are right there for you to get in touch with Kellyanne to pre-order her book and just ask questions and maybe sign up for a coaching program. Be sure to listen to the very next episode as Kellyanne's going to go even deeper in her journey from victim to victor and how she is helping others right now. Amen. Till next time, it's Pastor Bob reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.